what's going on guys welcome back to consuming crime with jen and jules it is jules here so last time we talked we talked about centoy brown part one i received a lot of feedback from you guys including some tidbits on things that the documentary did not mention uh, including that centoya might have had a gun that she stole from cutthroat I'm not sure. I have not fact-checked this, so I'm not going to include it, but I encourage you guys to do some research if you guys would like to know more. This particular episode is only based off of the documentary, so that's the source that I'm using. Make sure you guys give us five stars wherever you're listening, and be sure to check out the Patreon if you haven't already. Remember, the $5 level gets you two bonus episodes every single month, so you get six total if you include the regular feed. $7 level gets you two bonus episodes plus our regular feed without ads and the $12 gets you all of that plus you get to see me tell the story not just listen to me tell the story. So far on the Patreon we have covered Women Behind Bars the episode one on Netflix and we also covered the Amanda Todd story that one Jenny told or Jen told and Aaron Hernandez part one and part two part three is going to be released there I want to say next week. So that will be the full, the first full series that's complete on the Patreon. Other than that, I guess we could just jump right into it. So last time we learned that there was a 16-year-old girl named Satoya Brown who was charged with first-degree murder for the murder of Johnny Allen, who picked her up in his white truck. We know he wanted sex, and she was like, okay, it was... Well, I can't say consensual. Like, it's not... You can't consent if you're under 18. But she was scared and she thought he was gonna shoot her so she shot him first is it right i don't know it's kind of a touchy topic i'm a little scared to uh to voice my opinion but um stay tuned i'm sure it'll come out now we are halfway into remember it's it's like a kind of a movie it's an hour and a half an hour 40 minute long it is july 2010 centoya brown is now 22 years old and she has a new pro bono legal team At this point, she's been incarcerated for 5 years and 11 months, so almost 6 years. Apparently, she had a separate documentary that was released back in 2010, and it aired at the Green Hills Theater, and Charles Bone went to see it. This man is an attorney, and he was inspired by her story. He felt as if it was not fair. He thought, okay, there's definitely more to this story. What can I do for this girl? So he calls his best friend, Houston Gordon, And they start to kind of look into this. So they both watch the documentary and they notice in the documentary, which is where we left off last time, that the mother, Georgina, discussed alcohol abuse during her pregnancy. So now they're concerned about fetal alcohol syndrome, which I will from here on out refer to as FAS. Their first goal is to find experts on this. They have to figure out Is this just a theory, or can somebody really tell us that Centoya Brown suffers from fetal alcohol syndrome? Also, what the hell is it? So now it's November 13th, 2012. Centoya is 24 years old, and this is her appeal hearing. Right now, she has been incarcerated eight years, three months. We're in an interview with her, and she tells us that she's going to college at Lipscomb University. They come to the prison once a week to teach classes, and she's aiming to get her associates. As far as the appeal goes, two-thirds of criminal appeals are reviewed, and of those, 81% are denied. So that kind of gives you an idea of what they're about to walk into. So the argument for this appeal is she has FAS, and she also had ineffective assistance of counsel. 
Again, we have Jeff Burks here. This is the man that was against her before and questioned, why would you be there if you don't feel safe? You know, the moron? Yeah, I don't like him. Right now, I can't figure out what side he's on because he's kind of, he's speaking very mutually uh, like to both parties. So I don't know yet if he's on her side or on the prosecuting side, or I guess the state side, I should say. They're questioning her previous attorney, Wendy Tucker, and they're asking her, have you ever heard of FAS? She says that she's sure she's heard of it before. She had not looked into it. They, you know, they were like, why didn't you look into it? And she's like, I don't know. I had heard of it, but I didn't think that it pertained to this case. And she does wish that she had looked into it at the time she was initially tried. They bring up the expert witness for FAS, and he says alcohol is the worst poison. It affects the brain the most in the fetus. He did conduct an exam on Tentoya in 2011, and he determined that she does have FAS. She is seriously impaired. She does not function like a person. He said, and I quote, terrible, like so terrible she could be compared to someone with mild mental retardation. And she definitely had it in 2004. She had it before, and she will always have it. What made me really sad about this part is Centoya was getting visibly upset across the room. I mean, of course, somebody's trying to tell you that you're never going to be capable, which I'm sure, not that I'm saying an expert would exaggerate, you know, if he's telling the truth, assuming he is, this would help her case, even though obviously it's going to hurt her feelings. So Jeff Burks comes back up again. He says, our source, remember this people, our main source is the defendant's mother who is in prison. So now I kind of figured out, okay, Burks, you are officially on <laughs> the other side. You're not on Centoya's side. I'm not sure if it's clear to you guys yet, but I'm 100,000% on Centoya's side. I don't think she had a fair chance. And no, just because I'm on her side does not mean that I think Johnny Allen deserved to die. I don't even think Centoya thinks he deserved to die. I think it was just an impossible situation. And unfortunately, she was really, really young. I don't think she had a fair chance. I really don't. No matter what I think, no matter what anybody thinks, at this point, her appeal gets denied. I mean, we know where this story ends, but right now it's just, it's the sucky part. And she goes on and she says, my life isn't gonna stop, but I'll remember this. And I like that. I like that she says, I'm not gonna stop fighting. My life isn't, isn't over. I can still go to school. Like she's still motivated, even though she's had a lot of setbacks. And that in and of itself is inspiring, in my opinion. I had put in my notes, like somebody get this grandma with her genetics. It drives me crazy. And I'll tell you why. Centoya Brown's grandmother was abused. She was raped and she got pregnant from her rape. And overall, she did not have a good, a very good life. The one thing that, you know, and I, and I, I do feel sorry for her but the one thing that bothers me about her is she says it's genetics. She it, she has it in her mind that her, her daughter Georgina, and Georgina's daughter Centoya, basically like it's genetics to be raped. And I'm like, no, it's literally not. Like she says, not enough love or support that will ever help Gina, Toya, or many other girls. That is the most negative, most disgusting thing you can say. And it is going to drive me up the wall. It's gonna drive me up the wall. And I'll tell you why, because when you are a parent, when you're a parent, if you had it hard, you make it your life to make that kid's life better than yours was, period. You don't just throw in the towel and say, 
oh well i was beaten so you're gonna get beaten too no <laughs> that's that's absolutely not something that a real true loving parent does and i'm i, I i'm sorry that she was beaten and that she was raped and that's tragic but her allowing her daughter to get raped let me get to that part really quick before i continue georgina's being interviewed and she says there was this man named walter he was a family friend and he molested her from age six or seven to about age 10 and she goes this is why i can't stand my mother and my i'm like what do you mean i guess she told her mother about the situation and her mom didn't believe her and she sent her out with this man anyway why do you think that is maybe maybe because it's genetics to be raped no it's not like she really allowed you know there's two sides to every story but the combination of what georgina is saying plus the grandmother saying it's genetics to, it, it just i believe georgina i believe her mother allowed her to get molested because it is what it is women are here to be raped and molested literally i'm holding back cussing because hi mom my mom listens to this but like f this grandmother seriously for not wanting better for your damn kids that felt really good thanks for listening to that guys let's continue december 9th 2016 centoya brown is now 28 years old and she has been in prison for 12 years and four months so that you guys can understand if you have not seen the documentary I need you to hear Centoya speak. I need you to understand why I vouch for her so hard. And if you don't understand, that's perfectly fine. I'm not one to mind comments that disagree with me. It, as long as it's constructive and, you know, not disrespectful, I welcome things like that. That makes more about how my actions and my behaviors affect other people. So I think the fact that I realized that is probably one of the biggest changes between me at 28 and me at 16. I care more about how what I do affects other people. I don't really deal with a lot of people in here who are doing stuff they have no business doing. Not only because that's just not who I want to be, but it's not the kind of stuff that I want in my life. I go to college, I go to Lipscomb, I've got a degree from Lipscomb, but it's, it's more than that. It's about maintaining relationships, positive, healthy relationships with positive, healthy people. Life is prison, it's my life. So you have to kind of fight to carve out a life for yourself that has some kind of meaning, that has some kind of worth and some kind of value. I think that that's really at the mark of rehabilitation when you have been forced to grow up in prison. And I think that is really what was what was going on with me and what was behind my change. I don't want a life in prison. I want to have a life. Okay, so I noticed that without the subtitles, it is a little bit harder to hear. So basically, she's on the phone. I'm not sure who she's talking to, but she's saying that now she sees how her decisions affect other people, and she's definitely more aware of that. She sees people in the prison that do things that they have no business doing. She observes. She never gets involved. She's going to college, and obviously she wants a life outside of prison. She just sounds like a completely different woman. 
honestly, than who we were talking about in the previous episode. Really quick, you guys, I interrupt this program to introduce you to today's sponsor. It is Consuming Crime's very first sponsor, and that is Audible. Com, which is an Amazon-owned company. They are the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, you get one free credit, and with our code, Consuming Crime, you can get one month free and one free audiobook. I actually use Audible myself. I don't really have time to sit down and read a book. I'm constantly moving around and you know, doing school, work, the podcast, things like that. Right now, I am currently reading a book written by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. I love a lot of his works, and the one I'm reading right now is called The Mastery of Self. I am obsessed with self-development, self-growth, and this book really teaches you about knowing who you are, knowing you know what you have to offer the world, and just knowing that you know no one's better than anyone ever, and I think it's really good to just be self-aware. With that being said, again, go on and head over to audibletrial.com slash consumingcrime and get your free audiobook on us completely. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash consumingcrime. Now, back to the story. On November 15, 2017, Centoya is now 29 years old in prison for 13 years and 3 months. Her story makes headlines. Tennessee's law changed and minors can no longer be charged and sentenced as prostitutes. So this news story makes headlines, and other news channels cover it, and now it's on Twitter. And you guys know it's 2020. When something gets on Twitter, and Rihanna's talking about it, and T.I. is talking about it, and Lana Del Rey is hashtagging free Centoya Brown, this is big. They have Governor Haslam, and this is his last year as governor for Tennessee and they want to make sure he gets his clemency for her before he's done. So when you've been charged for a crime, once you exhaust all of your appeals, your last and final option is to file for petition for clemency, which essentially means mercy. She writes to the governor on December 19th, 2017. Her teachers write letters how she has a 4.0 GPA. There's letters from judges, from lawyers, from her teachers. And they're talking about how, you know, if there's anybody to give clemency to, Centoya is the person. She has learned from her mistakes. She is a completely different person. She would make a good person in society. She would help the world in some way. We have William Burnett in the interview. Remember, this is the guy that was doing the psychological testing on her when she was 16. And from age 16 to 29, he says she has grown up. She has learned a lot. And at the time of her interview, when she was 29, she was in the middle of writing a term paper on sex trafficking, which is awesome because I'm glad that somebody explained to her, hey, you know, you were prostituting, quote unquote, but you were 16 years old. So that's definitely more like sex trafficking. And it is, it is because her 24 year old boyfriend or pimp, whatever, cutthroat, whatever his name was, he knew better. He knew better. I mean, I'm almost 23 years old. 16-year-olds don't... When I was 16, I did not know a damn thing. A damn thing. And it was so easy for somebody to take advantage of me because I didn't know better. You have this mentality, especially, I don't know, where you want to just please everybody. And if you don't please somebody, it's, it's like your whole life value 
it's your whole worth. And now my mentality is like, try it. Try to tell me what to do. But again, I'm no longer 16. Not to mention, she did not have a lot of opportunities. She did not have, you know, she had her, her mother, Elinette, who tried to be there for her, but it sucks that there's only so much you can do as a parent, and yet your kid wants everybody else's validation but yours. And it sucks. And I feel for Elinette for having to watch her daughter go through all of this, but hey, look where it's leading to. On May 19th, 2018, she is now 30 years old, and this is one week before her parole hearing. Now, the governor, before granting relief, he wants an opinion from the Pardon and Parole Board. Remember, in 2004, she was a prostitute, and now it's considered trafficking. They're asking for second degree because they know that if she had been charged for second degree, she would be eligible for parole right now. I'm going to play for you guys Santoya Brown's opening statement to the board. I just wanted to say thank you. First, I know a lot of people get to see you, but I have prayed for a very long time to be able to meet with you. And I know it's purely an act of mercy that you even give me a hearing. And that means everything to me. What I did was horrible. You know, I killed Johnny Allen, he's gone. And it stayed with me this whole time. I was locked up at 16. It was like that was it. I have no choice but to live a different life. And they've, they've given me that opportunity. They've given me that chance. You know, I can't make up for what I did, but they've given me a chance to do so much more. Whatever you decide, I respect it. But I mean, I, I do pray that you show me mercy and that you give me a second chance. This is who I'm defending. Preston Ship starts talking, and this is an attorney who had been against her in the beginning. He said, yeah, no, give her life. And he ended up being her professor in one of her classes at Lipscomb University. And he didn't know that she was in his class for a couple of weeks, actually, until he received the denial for an appeal letter, and he saw her name. And he's like, that's a girl in my class. He said that she was a Luminous student, and she had come to class after getting the letter and they talked and he had apologized you know like i'm sorry that i was against you and she said you know you were just doing your job which is amazing that she was such a big person and she really didn't need to be because he was the guy to say put her in jail for life at the end of the hearing for the board two thought to lower the sentence from first to second two thought to change the term to 25 years flat which means she would have probably like another 10 to go and then two said, no relief, leave her in prison. On January 7th, 2019, she's still 30 years old and she's been in prison for 14 years and five months. After eight months of review, the governor meets with her attorneys and it, you know the attorneys were talking about how nervous they were, like, oh my God, the governor called us to the office, which means it's big news. He decided to commute her sentence to 15 years, which means she would be able to get out in August and then she would be on probation for 10 years. In the meantime, she would be sent to a transitional center, which I think is like for people that are awaiting being released on probation. So they go to see Santoya, the attorneys, and you know, one of them says, as he hugged her, he said, you're getting out in August. Like he didn't want to leave any suspense, nothing. He was just excited for her. He said that she danced, she was so excited. And later on they show 
her on speakerphone and her thanking, you know, all of her attorneys, all of her advisors, the psychologists, the experts, everyone. And yeah, she's she's free, guys. She's she was freed in August 2019, which means as of this month, she has been a free woman for a year, and that's phenomenal. And it 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 kind of goes to show that social media can be a really powerful tool in law. And I would have I would have never thought to say that in a million years, but it's true because if it wasn't for Twitter, social media, Rihanna, <laughs> like her story would have never gotten attention and it it might have just sat on the governor's desk until forever. You, you know, you never know. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's case. That's it for Centoya Brown's story. Not her. Her story will continue, but that's it for talking about it on the podcast. Make sure you give us five stars wherever you're listening. And if you have not already, check out the Patreon. $5 gets you two bonus episodes. $7 gets you two bonus episodes plus regular episodes with no ads. And $12 gets you all of the above plus you get to watch me tell the story, not just listen to me tell the story. That's pretty much it, guys. Thank you for consuming crime with me today, and uh, I hope you hear me next week.